I don't feel I work. I just feel I do things uh, and I, I try to, to just move forward uh, in my life. Um, and you know, I, I recently, uh, like uh, my mother always told me, take time for yourself. And I, I never listened to her because I always <laughs> thought, let's continue, let's continue. And, uh, and recently I, um, I actually lost my mom. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, of course. And, and, and you know, I, it always resonates in my head. It's like, I'll try to make her proud from where she is. I, I won't listen to what she said, but I'll make her proud. She was a very strong woman and uh, she left her country when she was 18. Wow. She escaped Bulgaria during wow. the communism period. So it was very tough. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SAS the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is part two of a four-part mini-series with Jonathan Angelov, co-founder and COO of Aircall. In this episode, Jonathan talks about growing up in Paris with an inspiring mum who immigrated from Bulgaria and became a business person, giving Jonathan a front row seat into the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. It didn't put him off because he started his career as an entrepreneur while still in university, age 20. You advise and partner uh, with Thunderstone. <laughs> uh, it's a digital distribution channel for brands. And just for the listeners, Fidgetal is P-H-Y-G-I-T-A-L. I've got to ask you, Jonathan, did you invent the word Fidgetal? No. So actually, so that company was built uh, by a friend of mine. Uh, and uh, he, he used to be the founder uh, of, uh, of a company called Vicont R, Vicont uh -huh. A, which was a fr is a French Ralph Lauren, basically. Uh, very famous during 10 years was making over 20 million revenue, etc. I sold it uh, a few years back. And uh, he started this business uh, into the digital, so I'll explain <laughs> what it is after. Uh, but, um, and uh, as I have an expertise in the business and, uh, and uh, he knows uh, I'm good, like I know how to handle SaaS businesses. Uh, he wanted me to be an advisor, so he gave me some equity and so on. Uh, they raised already a, a few millions about the business. So why digital? Digital is a mix of physical and digital. Okay. Okay. Uh, he, my my friend Arthur, that is the CEO and, and founder, uh, he's coming from selling brands, selling clothes to to shops, and he realized that there is a huge problem because a shop you need to tell him how much he needs to buy from you minimum. Yeah. And so the shop when he buys I don't know let's say a collection of uh, from Ralph Lauren or whatever uh, for 50,000, the brand imposes him, tells him you need to buy at least 10 XL, uh, at least 5 ML, whatever, etc. etc. And so the shop gets that, uh, so it's for you know, um, a regular shop that have multi brands uh, and they're imposed. And so when a guy comes in the shop and say, hey, I want this shirt, I love that shirt, but I want it in blue, do you have it in blue? And the guy say, huh, I didn't order it in blue. Uh, so you, you gotta go on the website or, or let me call a guy that may be uh, from another shop that brings it to you. And so what Archer uh, imagined here is, um, is this big screen that you put in the shop and that is directly connected to the stock of the brands. And so the brand 
will get an order directly from the person from this little uh, like this big screen yeah so the shop doesn't lose the deal and the brand doesn't lose a customer so the big Good. challenge is to be able to be connected to all the brands stock in life and be able to deliver it very quickly always in the shop because when the guy will come back he's maybe gonna buy something else then so it's all it's it's really changing the way um, uh, people are buying in shops because you know it's tough for shops today uh, uh, you easily can buy on internet so you bring internet in the shop basically yeah. uh, with this solution the idea is more to say we can we don't want to kill the shops yes. because when you buy a clothes you want to try it we want to make sure it's the right thing etc etc and I, I really believe on, on something is that uh, an Amazon uh, is succeeding in 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 in, uh, in selling online etc but I also believe in something is that there is a lot of waste in selling offline online because today selling offline what does it mean you buy you don't care you buy you get it so there is a transport etc etc and then you see you off I don't like it I, I, I send it back anyway it's free to send it back absolutely and so you know it's a huge waste in, for the environment for all this and and we're killing the shops yes. and I think I believe in the fact that shops should exist and um, and that should it should continue that people come, they try to discuss with someone. Um, and that's also the biggest strategy behind is to say online won't kill the shops. We are bringing online into You're the You're bringing shops. digital into those physical bricks and mortar businesses. Exactly. Which is, you know, which is great. I mean, we don't want the world. The other problem, I think, is, is an Amazon-dominated world. It leads to a monopoly or an oligopoly. You, don't, you just course. don't get these cool... Uh, these, these cool shops making streets and making high, uh, high streets interesting anymore. And the waste for an environment is huge. Just all those transport all the time. Uh, you know, it, it's not what I believe in. And actually, I'm super proud to say I have never bought clothes uh, online. I haven't either, actually. I haven't either. Just the whole thought care. of it, because the odds that it fits you even, like, yeah, and like you're in great shape and all that, but like, you know yourself. No, no, like, I'm on a, you say great shape, but you know, I'm skinny and tall, nothing fits me. So, you know, <laughs> buying something online actually is impossible for me. And I have one feet bigger than the other, so I never know which size of shoes I need. So, you know, <laughs> anyway, long live the, the shops. <laughs> <laughs> What's a typical uh, day in your life? I mean, you, you, I assume you're back and forth to New York quite a bit. What, do you have a? Do you manage to keep a routine? Oh, I, I, I have. I'm a, I'm a person that has a, a huge routine actually. Uh, but I don't know if it's the same word in English than in French. But uh, a day in my life is like during the week, five days a week, I work hundred percent for Airco. Like I kill myself to Airco. I, I'm dedicated like hell to Airco. And during the weekend, I, have, I, I, I do my other passion, that is real estate. Um, and uh, I recently acquired actually a hotel in Paris. Um, wow. That uh, we are refurbishing, etc. So you're et still doing this. You're still doing this. And during the weekend, yeah, I, I used to do rent and a lot of flats in Paris and so on. And when Airbnb went down in Paris, you know, it's forbidden now. I thought, okay, let's invest in a hotel. And I, I like that. I just like... Uh, real estate in general, I like facilities and so on. So, and is that uh, is that could you connect that with your interest in thunder, thunderstone? I guess the fact that you actually like physical places and for things sure, yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I like I like people. I like people in general, and a hotel is about welcoming people, and so that's why I like shops. And uh, and so yeah, the weekend is dedicated to hotels, to 
help a little bit uh, Archer uh, with Thunderstone if needed. So the weekend is for my other life, work life. Um, so yeah, I work kind of, now that I say it, I realize that I work seven day on seven, <laughs> but the truth but is that- But it's your hobby, it's your hobby as well. I'm incredibly lucky in that word, is that I don't feel I work. I don't feel I work, I just feel I do things uh, and I, I try to, to just move forward uh, in my life. Um, and you know, I, I recently, uh, like uh, my mother always told me, take time for yourself. And I, I never listened to her because I always <laughs> thought, let's continue, let's continue. And, uh, and recently I, um, I actually lost my mom. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, of course. And, and, and you know, I, it always resonates in my head. It's like, I'll try to make her proud from where she is. I won't listen to what she said, but I'll make her proud. Well, I hope uh, we can make a podcast that will that would make your future grandchildren proud, as well as any <laughs> potential customers. <laughs> That's a beautiful thought, though. Um, would you, would your mother have been a, a big influence on your life and on what yes. you've done? Yes, yes, because you know she she was a very strong woman, and uh, she left her country when she was eighteen. Wow. She escaped Bulgaria during wow. the communism period, so it was very tough. And uh, it was really inspiring to see, uh, like, to do that when you're 18, coming, uh, start a business. You know, she was a model, then she had a model agency. Um, and, you know, we thought, okay, I have this. And the, on the other side, she went bankrupt uh, when I was very young. And, you know, she lost everything from another day to the other. And it learned me also, hey, be humble, because everything can just change. change. Uh. And... Uh, and I, I saw it until, until uh, she passed away that, you know, things can work and one day they can stop working. And uh, when it stops working, you have to have a backup and, and make sure you're ready for it. So that's why somehow I have this fear <laughs> all my life of losing everything. It's, it's a fear. Uh, it drives it's, you. It, it's the losing everything. So that's why I try to do several things to make sure if I lose something, I don't lose everything. So <laughs> I, was, <it's> a <laughs> I was going to actually ask you uh, just now what drives you in life. And so that's a big part of it then, that, that fear of uh, something collapsing underneath your feet. Yeah. Uh, because you've seen it happen to your mom at one point in life, right? Yeah. And no, yeah, it drives me. It really, it drives me. And what drives me, it's funny, but what drives me is being happy. And it makes me so happy to do things. Good. You know, when I, I go out, I love going out, Friday night party, Saturday night party. And most of the people after a party, they wake up, they chill in front of TV. That depresses me so much. <laughs> what I love is that I take my car and I go see the hotel, the mess. I mean, this huge dust, it's dirty, it's speaking <laughs> with the workers and so on, with the architects. And, and you know, it drives me and I love it. And then I come back home 6, 7 p.m. on a Saturday night, take a shower and we start again. Um, and what drives me is just doing things and trying to move forward all in all. Uh, do you find that entrepreneurial wiring that you've got uh, is difficult to switch off? So for example, when you were working with equities, uh, I mean, all of this, you know, butterfly effect and, and uh, a brief rumor, and sometimes the market reacts rationally, sometimes it's emotional, and sometimes you can really see when it's emotional, so it's essentially broken. Um, or when you're, you know, working through these problems of, you know, uh, refurbishing a hotel and whatever issues you may have with the suppliers and stuff, does your mind start thinking about how can I solve this digitally? Do you, do, or do you switch off from that? No, I, I separate. I really separate okay. things. Uh, 
you don't have always to think digital because I think at some point you get inefficient. I, I really, I never switch off of, of business, I would say. But anything I see, I think about business um, because uh, I, I grew up like that with this idea, with this envy of, of doing things, of improving things, of changing things uh, that have been one way uh, in the world. And yeah, it just drives me and it makes me happy. I think, I think the most important thing in life is be happy. And, uh, and there is this famous sentence of, I think it was John Lennon, um, that someone asked him one day uh, when he was young, what do you want to do for uh, later when, you're, when, you're, when you grew up? And he answered, I want to be happy. And the Great person answer. told him, I think you didn't understand the question. And he said, I think you didn't understand the life. And that's really something that resonates uh, in my head. Yeah. Uh, because I don't, know if there is, I don't know if there is a perfect job or whatever, but always think of, hey, make what makes you happy. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's how What's the point I do otherwise? Absolutely. And, and everything that I do, I do it with the happy behavior of, I just have fun. And yeah, really, yeah. I feel I have fun. You don't have kids yet. Luckily, no. <laughs> but, but when you do, I think you'll be a good dad because I think you're going to communicate that to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, have to, I, I'll have to find time to, <laughs> to, 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 to take care of them, but uh, no. In the next episode, part three of a four-part mini-series, Jonathan reveals the true level of his ambition and delves deeply into his thoughts around how to scale a business optimally. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.